And with the series and with these songs, um, I have the most trouble with sermons where I have too much to say. I have way too much content. So filtering out what to say and what not to say is the hardest part. In a sermon where I just have to kind of have to figure out the points and the directions, those are kind of easier. This one is so hard because I've got <sighs> Pastor Jay and Pastor Zach are the ones that come up here, right, with the pages of notes, right? You guys have noticed that? And they, they have like six to ten to eight pages, and it's all like typed out. And I actually read through it. I never have that. But on this one, I, on uh, each of these songs, I have about three sermons for each song. And I go, no, should it be this one or this one or this one? Should I, should I teach on this line or that line? But uh, in this song, there's a line here which I just can't really escape. It's one that we, uh, we ended on here. I just want to kind of go through it really slowly here, All right? And so, uh, what, what it says here for us, if I can find it, it seems that all my bridges have been burned. But you say, that's exactly how this grace thing works. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart. Just sit with that for a second. It's not the long walk home that will change this heart. Of course, he's, he's tying into a famous story. What is the story he's tying into? Anybody? It's in the Bible. The prodigal son, amen. And he's saying it's not the long walk home that will change this heart, but it's what? It's on the screen. It should be, right? Just read. Oh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. You guys are rocking, by the way. But the welcome I receive with every start. The question for today that we want to answer is this. How does someone change? When does someone change? When does the moment of the internal transformation take place in a human being? Now, there are roughly around 50 or more churches in this town, right? We have a, a population of around, what, like 7,000 on a great day. And there are at least 50 or some churches in this small little area. One of the major reasons that we have different churches in this city is because we cannot agree on how this one thing works, this, this thing that we call grace. Now, have you ever been to a church that, that has this word in it? It was on the door when you came in, right? We call this place Grace Church. Now, what's funny about this is, is that there's a certain part of the church uh, denominations that use the word grace more than others. And so, the first time that we planted this church, we had, we had a whole bunch of people came in, and like, they thought that we were one of those churches. Hey, I thought that you guys were, I'm a Presbyterian church, or a Baptist church, or a Reformed church, because typically, those are the churches who put grace in their name. And they have these, these things called the doctrines of grace and this understanding of how, how does this grace thing actually work out in a person's life. Now, there are some extremes, right? If you want to be logical about grace, if you want to say that grace is the working of God without anything, without any involvement of, of your own, right? You've been told that grace is basically receiving good that you have not earned. Have you ever been told that definition before? right? Mercy is not receiving the judgment or punishment, which you have earned, right? You stole the cookie out of the cookie jar, and your parents decided not to spank you. That is mercy, right? Oh, I hate these simple uh, definitions, but you get the idea, right? And grace is on a birthday, this kid acts like a pain in the you-know-what, and we choose to give him his present anyway, right? Uh, we had a party for Liam uh, yesterday, and Jude was so mad. He said, Dad, 
He doesn't get his presence today. He's been a jerk. <laughs> I said, Jude, you don't understand gray area very well, do you? What's gray? <laughs> Jude is a very black and white person. Either you deserve something or you don't. He gets very upset when someone misbehaves and I don't spank them in the moment. He goes, what's wrong with you? You need to spank that child. <laughs> it's, Dad, it doesn't matter if it's birthday or not. He hasn't earned those presents. He does not get them. And we call this grace, right? So, there are two extremes to how you would understand grace. Here's the first logical understanding of grace, okay? If grace has nothing to do with your behavior and actions, if God is going to intervene in your life and He's going to save you and change you and make you new, but it has nothing to do with you, then if you take it all the way to its logical conclusion, then surely God has already chosen before the foundations of the earth who is going to be saved, healed, made whole, and you have nothing to do with it. No control. This is the glory and the amazing awesomeness of God that some people He creates, He gets to bring close and hug His, his sons and daughters, and others... He sends them to burn for eternity. Sounds logical, amen? Everyone's quiet. Okay. The other understand grace. No, 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 it can't be that way because that just creates a really hard picture of God. So the other far extreme, we call it works. Have you guys ever heard that term in a church before, right? So this is how most of you parent, correct? Yes? If you do good things, we do what? We give you good things. If you do bad things, you get what? And so in this understanding of things, right, when someone is, is failing, is, is, is sinning is the word that we would use, right? When they're falling short, when they're not doing things we would expect them to do, hey, you know what? Send them to, to prison. Let them take their consequences. They've earned it. That's on them, right? Have you ever heard that kind of language, right? Hey, son, you know what? I don't want to spank you, but you earned it. This is your fault, your consequences. Now, how do you parent? Which kind of grace do you kind of live in? Anybody? Real quiet? Okay. Should I call DHS? Anybody? And as most of you know, I don't, I don't typically agree with either side. They both… The problem with the Scriptures is this. The Scriptures don't like to fit into our convenient understandings of things. The problem with the Scriptures is that they kind of fight with themselves. There are some Scriptures that say this and some Scriptures that are over here. So if you notice when you hang out in this camp, they're going to quote a lot of verses from Romans. When you go to this camp over here, they're going to go to, to James. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And James says, oh, you think you have faith, but you can only tell faith by someone who has works. You can say that you love people all day long, but what if you don't give them food and give them clothes? Do you really love someone? Which one do you agree with? Everyone's still nervous, okay. There's a space in between which I like to, to play around in, and this is the, here's where it is. There are still things we don't fully understand about the way God works and why He works that way. And grace is one of those areas where we find ourselves getting very angry and frustrated with, with how God works. I talk about a lot of things which can make people uncomfortable, but I've never had people get so mad at me as when I talk about a God who offers grace to people. Specifically, I can remember about four years ago, there were a number of families who found me in the hallways after I preached the, 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 the parable of the prodigal sons. And they said, no, 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 there's no way it can work like that. That's not right. And I said, okay, well, let's walk through the story. Let's, let's go ahead and, and, and see how this thing works. 
And as we began to go through it, they couldn't come to grips with that. No, no, no. Because you see, I have this brother, and this brother always makes the wrong choices. Always. And it takes our family through, through hell and back. And you're telling me that the way God's going to treat that brother and me is the exact same. I can't, I can't accept that. That's not right. And so if, if you guys are familiar with uh, the prodigal son, there is a, uh, a passage here at the end I, I want to read to you guys a little bit. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Luke 15, verse 25. I'm going to skip over the majority of the story. You guys have heard it before, right? There are two sons and one father, and the father has an inheritance. The, the younger son chooses to take his inheritance early. Typically, you wait on this, right? Typically, you earn it, right? Through a life of faithfulness to your father, you earn this inheritance. Even though it's a birthright, you earn it. You live out your, your days working for your father. You take care of the, the family. And then when the father passes right before the end, the father will give you your half of the inheritance. So this son chooses to take it early. He, he goes and spends it how most 18 to 20-year-old men would do it without Christ, right? Prostitutes, Amen. And parties, hey, it's in the Bible. Don't look at me like that. This is in the Scriptures. Read it for yourself, right? He spends all of his father's inheritance on prostitutes and on parties. I, I'm not sure if they had cocaine back then, but I'm sure he, he found whatever he could find, right? The most fermented wine possible, right? He went out and had himself a good time for a short time. His money came to an end, and he hit rock bottom. We've all seen this story work out, right? And, of course, he finds himself with some pigs. He's working for a man taking care of pigs. This, of course, has all sorts of issues because he is a Jew, not supposed to be around those uh, nasty piglets. Amen. All you Razorback fans, it's a sign. <laughs> Curse from God, right? There we go. That's what happens. You play with pigs too much. Okay. And so he realizes, you know what? Here I am. I have nothing. I've lost everything. As afraid as I am to go back to my father, surely he would give me something. He would make me like a, a slave, like a hired hand. I, I'd get a small room in the back, get three meals a day. I have to work my butt off. I won't be able to be the son anymore. I won't get the ring and all the riches. I won't get to be the I won't get what I would have had, but surely it's better than hanging out with the pigs, right? So he starts his long walk back, which is where the, the song kind of jumps in. And you come to this moment where the father sees him a long way off. The father runs to him, takes all of these um, symbolic actions, which we're not going to open up today, but takes off his cloak and his ring and his, his shoes, and he takes them into the family. And so what's happening now is that the farm, this, this huge estate, you can just kind of imagine, right? There's a lot of employees. This guy, is, he's, he's, he's very wealthy. This greeting is being done in front of the, the, the city. Everyone's watching. So this is kind of a shameful thing. So you're going to bring back that son who went and did this, this, and this. You're just going to bring him right on back in the house, are you? So everyone's seeing this. But there's one person who hasn't been seeing any of this. It's the other brother. This brother's been out doing the things a brother's supposed to do. And so I'm, I'm going to jump in here in verse 25. It says, meanwhile, pause. Anytime that you're in the Scriptures, it says, meanwhile, pay attention. Meanwhile, the older son, if you want to translate that, the good son, the good son was in the field. When he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. Just kind of, again, we're the worst people at reading the Bible. Read it like you would any real story. Put yourself in it. You've been working your butt off. You're sweaty. You're nasty. When you work outside, who works outside? Come on, raise your hand. Who works outside a lot, like every day? You guys are hardly raising your hand. You're tired, I can tell. Okay. 
There's a moment in the day when you begin to smell yourself, right? Okay, so he's long past that. He can smell himself. It's not a good moment. He's coming in. He can smell himself. And, and, and what does he hear? Partying. It's a little bit of an annoyance. You've been working your tail off, and no one even came to tell you that the party's going on, right? You just come to get a shower, and these guys have already got the party going. The music and the wine's flowing. The music's already going. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? They said, your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Uh, the fattened calf. Okay. Um, and your father has chosen to order steaks from Doe's. You got me? Okay. For everybody, right? $5,000 bill. Let's go ahead and do that, right? Makes sense now. <laughs> um, but when the son of yours, oh, sorry, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Let's just, just kind of sit with that for a second. The older brother became angry. The good brother became angry and refused to go in. This would be Jude, by the way. No, this is not the way it's supposed to be. You told me that if I do these things, then I will get this. And if I make the wrong choices, here's the consequences. Where are his consequences? He's been out doing his thing this entire time. He's caused all of us to be embarrassed and shamed that everyone's talking about us in town. He's cost us money. This is not the way it's supposed to be. I wish that all of you guys had been in the, uh, the Enneagram class. Someday I will teach every Bible story and tell you all the Enneagram types in every story. Amen? That would be hilarious. Here's the one. <laughs> That's not the way it's supposed to be, which is my son Jude, right? This is not right, right? And so he became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat. You wouldn't even take me out to the Longhorn Steakhouse so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, see there it is, prostitutes, <laughs> comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. This story, if you allow it to, can really wreak havoc in your life. See, we all have to have kind of a, how do I say this? We all have to have kind of a framework, a way the world functions. If we didn't know how things worked, we would just be absolutely lost, right? If you walked into a bathroom and you stared at the toilet and literally had no idea how to get the bad stuff to go down, <laughs> do I press the button? Do I sing to it? Do I dance in front of it? What do I do, right? Which, by the way, oh, I've got so many stories. When you're teaching children about, like, which toilets are the ones you push and which toilets have the motion detectors, you know what I'm talking about? So you walk in a bathroom stall and you see your five-year-old dancing from the toilet. It won't flush. Yeah? Such frustration. They all need to either have a lever or they all have a sensor. Make sense of this thing. Come on. There's a frustration when you don't know how the thing works, when you don't get how how does the, what am I supposed to do? How does this function? There's frustration that rises inside of us. And see, grace is one of those things that causes frustration. When we get serious about God, we begin to dive into these things. We begin to ask God questions. 
when we, when we begin to have people in our lives that hit rock bottom, if you would, and we don't know how to make sense of this. Okay, so how do we treat them? How do we react to them? How does God see them? Or maybe you're the one who hits rock bottom. How does God see me? How does God treat me? What are the consequences here? A story like this can really kind of make you frustrated because it doesn't always give us the answer we're looking for. So grace is one of those things that few of us really know how it works. But everyone in this room has an idea of how you wish it would work. Either you're on this side, well, God has a plan. Who's that person? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but God has a plan. Somehow God's going to flush them out on the toilet. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, right? It's all going to work. Either I'm going to flush the lever or I'm going to dance. Somehow that toilet's going to flush. Amen. God has a plan. Whatever. <laughs> and you've got the other extreme. Son, it's time for tough love. You know what I'm talking about? Tough love. There are consequences in this world. You touch that, that hot oven, you're going to get the burn. Now, if you've been in these situations, you know it's not so funny, right? It's not so simple. It's, it's more complicated than that. It's more difficult than that. So I want to explain to you this morning how grace works. Would you like to understand how grace works? Anybody? Okay. I have a picture for you guys. I'm not sure if you guys have that up yet. Um, we were driving back from Florida, and uh, it's like Mississippi and Louisiana and like the, the, the southern parts of Arkansas. Who's been to South Arkansas? It's a different area, is it not? Like you drive through and you go, I don't think we should stop here, honey. <laughs> you know, we're going to keep on going, you know? Uh, you gas up before you hit South Arkansas because there's nothing. But the one thing I noticed as we were driving in South Arkansas is all of the farms and the things that they're farming. Most of them, I think, have rice and different things like that. And so like, these are like some Asian rice farms. Oh, there they are. And so the concept is very similar to what I saw in South Arkansas. They have all of these kind of like these, these square fields kind of carved out, okay? And there's, I mean, rows of them. It goes on for acres. So when you're driving down these little country roads, you can see these fields as far as you can see on either side. And the way these things are built, right, is that there's a field on each side of it, okay? And the idea is that each of these fields has an inlet and an outlet. So just kind of imagine that, right? It, it's like this, this giant tube that lets water in and giant tube that lets water out. Does that make sense? An in and an out, right? So every one of these ponds has an in and an out. Now, I would like this to be your picture going forward of how grace works. Are you ready for this? Here's the secret to how grace works. The in and the out, the on and the off, are always connected. So when you walk into this room, and you want lights on, right? You flip it on, right? Does that make sense? And off. Imagine with your toilet if you only had one choice. To get this poo out of the toilet, there's only one option, right? I've got to open up the valve. On. At the same time that water comes in, something has to go out. Do you understand? Right? Do you understand this? Okay. The water comes in and the water goes out. There is no way for me to just bring water in and not out, and out and not in. Does this make sense? So, if you look at this, when you're driving by these ponds, some of these ponds will be full, some of these ponds are empty, some of these ponds, ponds are clear, some are like brown or green. The way that the water works, the way that grace flows is like this. If you want to experience grace, 
If you want grace to flow into your life, the only option you have is to both It's so hard to explain. To open up both at the same time. The only thing that we have control over with grace is whether or not we're going to allow the water in and out at the same time. I'll explain this. Here's how we wish that grace worked. I wish that grace worked this way. I wish that I could say, God, I want you to show me mercy And I want you to flood into my life and to bring me good things and help me change, help me transform. And then I want to get to choose who I show grace to, where the water goes out. I want to control the in and the out. So sometimes I can let water in and sometimes I can let water out. Are you staying with me now? Okay. What happens if we close the in and the out? What happens to the water that's in our pond? Gets nasty, correct? Are you a nasty pond this morning, right? Are you nasty, right? Okay, question, right? What if we only let water out and not in? We become what? Empty. Are you empty this morning, right? Here's the beautiful thing about this, though. There is actually no way to let water in without the out. I'll explain this to you. If you guys have your Bibles, I want you to head to uh, Gospel of Matthew 18. All Scripture is given to us to teach us, instruct us about Jesus and the kingdom of God and what God is at work doing, what is coming, what He did do. But not all Scripture is equal. That's, we don't have time to open that up, but understand this. The Gospels hold the deepest, most powerful, most clear truths in all of the Scriptures. If it comes out of the mouth of Jesus, pay extra attention. These parables are life-giving but difficult to receive. So, the prodigal son parable is a parable of grace. This is also one of the parables of grace. And I'm going to read it. It's a little bit long, but stay with me. Again, it's a story. Don't listen like it's Scripture. Listen like it's a story. Learn from it. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus asking, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Man, that's a lot. Seven's a lot. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Let's pause right there. Now, what kind of understanding of grace is this? Hey, he owes me money. He made bad choices, right? He chose to go out and buy the bass boat when he should have paid his bills, right? Dave Ramsey, what happens, right? <laughs> Works, right? So he, here's the first, and again, these understandings of God are not, are not new to us. These have, these have permeated all religions, especially Judaism. So Jesus is attacking one of the ways that people understand God's work. Verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. Meaning, hey, I know I messed up, but give me another chance. I'll do better this time. I know I've done it, but here, I'll fix it. The servant's master took pity on him. That's called mercy by the way, canceled the debt, 
and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. Now, pause for a second. The first few times I ever heard the story, I naturally built into the story that even though the master says, hey, your debt's forgiven, I still was like, yeah, but you still got to pay him back. Does that make sense? Have you ever felt that way? Yeah, I forgive your debt. No one's ever experienced anyone like that. They say one thing, they don't mean it. Anybody? Okay. And so I was always trying to make sense of this servant's actions. Well, he just got forgiven a $100,000 debt, whatever, right? Oh, so he's going out to people who owe him money because he's going to pay the guy back still, right? And I would, always, I would always build this in. The one day I was paying attention to the story, actually reading it, I thought, no, 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 the debt was fully forgiven. You owe zero now. This is the other understanding of grace. So you're going to let him off the hook? If he owed you $100,000, the odds are it started as $5,000, right? And then ten, dollars and then twenty five. dollars and hey, I'll pay you back next time. And I'll pay you back next time. Is there anyone here who has rentals? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Hey, I'll pay you twice the month rent next month, plus extra. Come on, you're not laughing. Is that you? Is that, is that everyone in this church? Okay, yeah. Negotiate with like the cell phone. Please don't cut my cell phone off. I'll, I'll pay twice and, and uh, a fee, whatever. The odds are it didn't start $100,000. It started small. This is not the first time this servant has been shown mercy. I want you to get this. This is not like, okay, well, it's your first offense, so, you know, three-strike rule. So the first one, I forgive you $100,000. But next time, parents, who ever used the three-strike rule? <laughs> seven times seven, babe. Let me just tell you. And, and we go in this, it's, we build into this. No, 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 see, he just messed up once. So surely God would forgive him. No, he did not. This is a multiple-time offender. Why would you let him off the hook? That doesn't make any sense. You continue. So he's, he's back here choking his servant again, right? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. By the way, this is your most of... This is most of Christianity's idea of hell right here. No, 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 you made a mistake, so we're going to throw you in debtor's prison because you can't pay off your debt when you're in prison, can you? So you messed up and you owe me something, but I'm going to put you somewhere you can't ever pay me back. I'll let you open that one up on some Bible study someday. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. I'm not sure if you've ever been around people in your life who have gotten shown amazing grace and mercy before. And the first time you see it, you go, oh, okay, I get it. Like, they went through a hard time, they had a rough patch, whatever. But have you ever had someone in your life that when you were around them, watching them always get off the hook, it just created this, this anger inside of you? See, the older brother wasn't mad at the younger brother because this was the first time he had ever done this. I'm not sure if you know people at all, but I do know people. It's one of the, the good traits I have as a pastor. I know people pretty well. If you have a track record, so 
if, if this young son goes out and, and does all, he wastes his, his inheritance, he goes and spends time with prostitutes, I guarantee you this. Guess what? This was not his first visit to a prostitute. You guys are like, I don't like the word. <laughs> this was not his first time to be with a woman of the night. <laughs> Okay? This was not his first time to go have some cavassier at the club. Like this, <laughs> finally you're laughing. Okay, he's been there before. He knows what he's doing. He knows his way around this world. This is not the first time he's had to have the long walk of shame home. Hear me. The reason these lyrics are so powerful in the song, I'm jumping from parable to parable to, to, the, to the lyrics, and I want you to see this. It says, it's not the long, the long walk home that will change this heart, but it's the welcome I receive with every start. This is not the first time this young son has had to walk home in shame. This is not the first time this debtor has had to ask to be let off the hook for his debt. This is not the first time. Anyone in this room who's had experience with people like the younger son, you know, it, it doesn't just pop up. It isn't just a one-time thing. And so the question is always this. Okay, Devin, I get the, you know, Pastor Devin, I understand grace and mercy, blah, 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 but when do they change? Are they repentant in their heart? I love that move. That, that's, that's always one of my favorites. Are they repentant? I don't know about you, but I haven't received the soul glasses from God yet. I haven't quite learned how to see into the soul of a human being. Have you? No, you haven't, by the way. Oh, but there's fruit. No, 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 no. I've seen people cry in front of me and not change. I've seen people in my charismatic days get prophecies and not change. I've seen people get amazing gifts given to them and not change. I've seen people get these, uh, these miracles, get let off a hook. I mean, this person was going to jail, and the judge was like, no, 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 here, here's a fresh start. Here's your first start. Just get out of the state. Start over. You're good. Didn't change anything. I've seen classes and rehabilitation and people not change. I've seen special prayers. I've seen most all the forms of it. And I still have not learned the art of knowing when a soul is truly meaning that they're changed. So it takes us back to this question. How does someone actually change or not change? How does this work? How does this not work? If you go through the rest of the parable of the debtor, we get this really kind of funky ending to the story. So it takes us down here in Matthew, and it says this, verse 32, then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Pay attention. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Hold on. Is the debtor, is the servant being tortured because of the servant's debt? Why is the servant being tortured now? Because this servant would not forget the debt someone else owed him. If you guys are taking notes, I know there's some of you who do. James 2 and also in Romans 2, there are some more shorthand versions of this. 
I want to summarize it for you. In James 2 and in Romans 2, we see this breakdown of how mercy and judgment work. It's very simple. Mer- judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who does not show mercy. Are you afraid and terrified of a God who is vengeful and angry and mean and pays attention to every little mistake you've ever made and will hold you accountable to everything you've ever done? Guess what? There's one way to get that type of God. Be that type of person. See, the water, the only choice we really have, we have to pull up, we have to open both valves at the same time. If we want the water, the grace of God, where God shows up, we haven't earned a thing, we haven't said the right prayer, we haven't gotten clean yet, we haven't fixed this problem yet, we haven't gotten right yet, we haven't fixed our marriage yet, we haven't changed our heart, we still have bad desires. If we want that to change, we've got to let the water in. Because only God can do that. But I can only let the water in if I'm willing to let the water out. If I'm going to let my debts be forgiven, if I'm going to let God fix me and heal me and forgive me, give me another chance, not my, a fresh start, another fresh start, and another one, and another one, I have one condition. I have to let this flow to the next person around me. But here's the most dangerous place you can ever be in your life. Let me explain this to you. It's the parable of the prodigal sons, not the prodigal son. Because what we see here in Luke the older son, after he has his confrontation with his father, the last we hear of the older son is we see the older son walking away from the table, from the party. Now I don't have time to break down all the cultural meanings here and symbols, but here's what's happening. Because the son, the older son, is not willing to let that kind of love and forgiveness and grace flow to his brother, who hasn't earned it, who hasn't done as good as he is, who's messed everything up. He's not willing. Things cannot be that way. I'm going to close this. There's no way. I'm not going to be a part of that type of thing. Sorry, I'm out. The moment that he closes the out, you automatically close the in. You can tell quickly when you're around someone who has closed the out and the in. Water that doesn't move becomes stagnant quickly. Begins to smell, begins to fester, begins to grow things that should not be growing. Begins to change colors. See, the scary thing that we see the Apostle Paul and Jesus constantly throwing into this understanding of salvation is that it is a moment by moment, day by day, walk with God. Jesus has about six parables on the same topic. The only way to be left out of the party, the picture in Revelation, the only way to be on the outside of the city whose gates are always open, there's always an invitation to come in, the only way to be on the outside is to be unwilling to be on the inside with someone you don't think deserves to be there. It's the only ticket out is to not be willing to come in if that person comes in. 
Well, I know you forgave me, but I meant I was sorry, and I did hard work. I was at church, and I said my prayers. See, in the story of the prodigal sons, inheritance is never based on work. It's always based on the fact that you're born into it. You can't control it. You get to be this person's son or daughter. What that older son didn't understand was he was always there because of the grace of God, period. What allows you to receive all of the goodness of God is something that you could never control in the first place. The moment you begin to believe that you've earned it, that, hey, you know what, I've earned my seat there. I've earned my piece of the pie. I've done my share. Look at what I've done. That's the only way to lose it. Now, the details, what's that look like? I, you know, we, to work out the details is where it takes discernment. It takes finding people to be with you. Because you say, well, I, I get all of that, but what does it look like when you still have someone who's unrepentant or whatever? That's where it takes some time to sit down and to figure out what do we need to do to make sure that we're opening up a door for God to move in their lives, but that we're not helping them, if you would, to fall into trouble. But you can tell in your heart when you're not willing to let it go any further. Unforgiveness, judgment, the way you talk about people, the way you talk about sins in Romans 2 and, and James 2, they're talking about people who are so quick to judge others. You know what? Well, I can't believe that person would do this thing. He believed that. The line from the Apostle Paul is, the same God who condemns murder also condemns adultery, meaning it doesn't matter where it is that you've crossed that line. We all have. And the moment you forget it, the moment you forget, the moment you go, I can't believe that person did this thing. I'm going to, there's no way I'm being a part of this. I'm not letting forgiveness. I'm not going to help them get back on their feet. I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. I'm done. Because that person doesn't deserve it. The moment you close it, you have to understand this. The moment you close the out, you are closing the in. The harshest warnings in the entire Bible I've had people tell me all the time, you know what, Pastor Devin, sometimes, you know, I wish you'd talk about hell. Okay, here you are. You ready? The harshest warnings in the entire Scriptures come from the mouth of Jesus about one thing, two things, unforgiveness and judgment, period. Harsher than any other sin, these are the two things Jesus comes down and says, there is no room for compromise here. If you are unwilling to extend forgiveness... You will not receive forgiveness from my Father, period. Gospel of Matthew. If you are so quick to stand up as judge and be harsh, then you will be judged harshly. Gospel of Matthew as well. He's kind of a hard, hard one. <laughs> the only way to get that type of judgment is to be that type of person. See, you cannot, the only thing that you can control, you cannot control how God moves with grace and mercy in your life or in someone else's life. The only thing you can control is this. If you're going to let it in, if you're going to let it out. The only choice you have. You can't choose one and the other. They both have to go at the same time. If I'm going to let God move in my life, I'm going to let him move through me into other people's lives, especially the ones I don't want to be a part of. If I'm not willing to, guess what? The flow of God in your life has just stopped. I want you to look back at the hardest times in your life when you felt the driest, the most bitter, the most angry, the most alone. Look back at those times. Who was it you were judging? Who was it you were not willing to forgive? 
Who was it who you were not willing to be around, to sit with, to have in your life? You could not make space for them. I guarantee you that you will find the correlation. And for some of you, you might be the younger son in the room. You're the one who's constantly causing trouble for other people. The person you might not have allowed to receive love and grace is yourself. That's almost always the problem with the younger son. They won't let the in into their own lives. They don't think that they've deserved it. They don't think that they've earned forgiveness or a fresh start. That might be you. And the beautiful thing about the parables is this. The parables tell you that you will be one of the characters at any time in your life. At one point in your life, you're going to be the younger son. And you're going to need someone who's going to look beyond what you've earned and give you something you haven't earned. At some time, you're going to be the older son. And you're going to want to be the one who's going to have a hard time swallowing what that person is receiving from God or from another person. And sometimes you're going to be the father, the one who is in the role to choose to extend the forgiveness, to extend the fresh start or not. But just remember, you will be in all three roles at some point in your life. Would you guys stand with me? Pad's always great, isn't it? Huh? It's like I've told you before. I've never had people get so mad at me as when I teach the parables of Jesus. It's the most controversial thing in all the scriptures. Because there are people in situations where we can all say, yeah, they deserve to have the love of God flow in their life. And then there's a person for every one of you who say, no, not that one. Not that one. Not this time. See, they only get three strikes. That's it. It's in the Bible somewhere. Three. It's like baseball. Right? <laughs> no. The struggle for us is trying to figure out where we are today. Are we empty? Have we, have we been the younger son who's trying to open the out and trying to extend mercy and forgiveness to other people, but not allowing it into our lives? This is causing us to, to dry up, to be barren, to, to, to struggle to survive. We're falling into destructive patterns and we're hurting ourselves and people around us because we will not let God forgive us. Give us a fresh start. We can't even see ourselves deserving it. There's no way. I've gone too far. Or you're the person right now who's beginning to stank a little bit. When you talk, when you hear people talking about that person, you know where your thoughts and emotions go. Talking about that group of people. I mean, it won't be hard here in a year or two. It's going to be either the Democrats or the Republicans. It's going to be for you, Right? When you hear someone talk about that type of person, you just, ugh, in your heart and your mind. Typically, it's people who are like you. <laughs> and you're just not willing to let the love of God go into those people. And so what you haven't noticed is that the grace of God has stopped flowing into you. You're bitter. You're angry. You feel alone. You feel frustrated and powerless. I don't care what happens, but I'm just not going to be a part of that no matter what. I'm done. I don't care. And you will not allow yourself to see any situation where you would extend forgiveness to that person. Where we want to be is the place where we never let go of our lowest moment in our lives and we say, you know what? I know what it's like to be on that 
inside. I don't get exactly, I get frustrated. I'm, I'm had it up to here. I don't think I can take it anymore, but I know what it's like. I'm, you're that person who knows that I need the fresh flow of God in me every day. Yes, I, made, I might have made good choices. I might read my Bible, I might pray, but I know that no matter what my great choices are, there's always things inside of me that are broken and that can hurt people. I'm always making wrong decisions, even when I make some of the right ones. That I know that my health and wholeness isn't just in my hands alone, that God is involved, and without Him, I'm nothing. So we're going to bring the prayer team up this morning. It's one of the things the Scriptures, they tell us, is the power of confession. To come to another human being and to humble yourself and to share, to say, this is where I am. I'm empty. I'm stagnant. I just can't let that person, I can't. So Father, I just pray this morning that you would allow us to see where we are. Where are we? Where is our heart? Where is our mind? Maybe we, we want to try to forgive and to, to restore again, but we just can't. We don't know how to do it. It hasn't worked in the past. Help us see where we are. And the last thing I just want to say into all of our hearts this morning, what allows a person to change, it is that experience of even when I have failed again and again and again, when I return, I experience that same acceptance and forgiveness, the love, the reconciliation, the encouragement, the affirmation. That begins to wear on people. I don't know who it is in your life right now. You just can't see them getting fixed. I'm telling you right now. Every time you receive them and you restore them and you affirm them and you love on them, yes, there might be some hard conversations, but your heart doesn't change. It wears them down. That is how someone changes. When the fresh water of God begins to flow into a person's life, it takes everything out. Father, that we would be those type of people in Jesus' name. Father, pray a blessing over this church. You'd help us to see who it is in our lives we're not willing to let the water flow to. Show us where we are in Jesus' name.